This episode of Beyond is brought to you by Forhims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Beyond and no, welcome. I, what? It was fine. We We're did just, We did four of them. We could have just left it at that. I did a fifth. It was, you it didn't need to do a, And you did a sixth. I you played had, the fifth Beyond. I was saying hello. Okay. This, yeah. uh, these customary greetings yes. here on the show. What do we say? What do we say so many times? Not well, saying it. Well, <laughs> not falling for that trick. What's the name of the show? Uh, I believe we said Beyond and welcome to IGN Beyond episode 557. My name is Jonathan Dormish. I am your host for this week. Before we begin, a quick reminder. Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com. It is there for a full 24 hours before it is on any of the other platforms you're used to watching or listening on. So make sure to go to beyond.ign.com every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Now on with the actual show. Today I am joined by Brian Altana. Hello. Max Scoville. Hi. And Tom Marks. Hello. We almost did a hello, hello, hello thing. I I was hoping you guys would kind of like synchronize and sing. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. We have Cyberpunk 2077 on the docket. You may have maybe seen that uh, giant demo they finally released to the world. Uh, We're going to be talking about their PlayStation books out. Yes, you can do more than just play games with PlayStation franchises. Uh, We're also going to talk about one of the biggest fixes we have been waiting for for the PSN store. Finally happened. It is not changing your names, but it still is a pretty great one. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about Shovel Knight Showdown and a look ahead at the fall. But first, you'll notice we're not talking about Spider-Man coming out on September 7th. That's Mm -hmm. because it is embargoed. The review for Spider-Man won't be up until September 4th at 7 a.m. Pacific. I am doing that review, so you can look forward to that review next week. But until then, we are embargoed from discussing the game, so we can't give you any sort of impressions about it. What we can talk about in full is the Cyberpunk 2077 demo, a demo a lot of us, at least Max, Tom, and myself, saw at E3 or Gamescom is now finally out in the world. It is a 48-minute long demo. We have a ton of coverage of it on IGN, including an exclusive interview with a couple of the devs from CD Projekt Red about why they decided to release this demo now, what went into the demo, them being... It's because of our talk last week. Exactly. I think we we really pushed them over the We pushed them over the edge. I think they like to troll a little bit Mm because they were like, hey, we're everyone, we're here at Gamescom. Uh, We've got a hot exclusive. Three screenshots and three pieces of concept art. Have at it, you. And we're all like, well, I guess we have to spin this straw into gold and make coverage into this. And then, like, I don't know, not even a week later, they were like, anyway, just kidding. Here's uh, four, like 45 minutes of uh, raw footage of the game. And you're like, come on, find a happy medium between three screenshots and 48 minutes of gameplay. Well, I think it was partly people's reaction to those things, to those screenshots, and, and sort of the letdown of like, oh man, CD Projekt just didn't really show much at all at Gamescom, which is yeah. one of the biggest, the biggest European shows. I feel like it was like a sext. Like they were like, "Hey, you up?" Like, yeah, <laughs> like I'm coming over. And like, all right. Yeah. They just waited a few days to actually come over. Yeah, it, it was interesting to hear though that some of the stuff we talked about last week about why they may or may not, have, or why they may or may not, may not have decided to show it yet, uh, was stuff that they then said in yeah. our interview with them. They talked about you know being trepidatious about putting this out into the world and how people may assume this is what the final game is. And obviously right. the demo had very much the watermark on it. This is not final. This is not indicative of exactly what will be in the game. They were really hammering that. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they even, say that a lot. Even the narrator doing the VO for the whole thing was effectively many times being like, hey, this is what we're hoping for. We can't promise this will be here, but this is what we're trying to do. So just hear us out, which I really respect that. Yeah, and so this, even, were, even being like, uh, yeah, this is also late game skills. You may not have these abilities at this point in the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... It's great to see that and they're taking those precautions and I will say personally, I thought this demo was awesome when I saw it at E3 and I enjoyed watching it in full again. I think there's a lot to go through. We have talked a lot about the amazing small little details, the big action and everything in there, but I also have at least a couple concerns knowing that none of this is necessarily final about the game, but some concerns about the demo and the way it plays out and I was curious to see how you all felt about these topics as well. Hmm. Uh, The first thing that I kind of have a little bit 
of a concern with is the um there's a lot of showing in the game of the awesome weaponry and the gadgetry and how like getting the mods in your hand affects is an actual mod to your character like it's a really cool way of bridging the gap from a menu to the actual gameplay but there was also a lot of telling and not showing of certain things in terms of i think how gameplay permutations can come out sure it's, essentially the permutation in the demo that you've seen out in public was what we saw behind closed doors of the deal toward the end of the demo going badly and you having to fight a guy in a giant exoskeleton suit. Mm -hmm. Then they talk about in that demo, well, what if you had done this or this or that? And that's really cool, but I feel like we've heard a lot of developers talk about the idea that games can have so many different permutations. Right. They did, largely end up being the same. Did you play The Witcher, though? I am only still in the first couple okay. hours. Okay, well, there's, so, your, there's, your, there's your fucking is problem, my concern? <laughs> you <Yeah>. fake gamer. <laughs> uh, no, so I think that, I think that that's, that's a fair uh, assumption. If this was any other developer, I'd be like... Yeah, that's that's a lot of big talk, you know. Yeah. But uh, in their case, I I don't think they're afraid of hiding large chunks of the game. Like, I mean, we've talked about like with with The Witcher Two. Uh, there's a point, kind of midway in that game, where you basically have a branching path, and depending on which thing you choose, you're effectively hiding half of the game from yourself. Mm. Uh, and I mean, Witcher Three is very much the same way. There are, there are entire characters who you won't meet depending on a choice you make. Uh, and it's I mean, you can like. <sighs> I don't think this is a spoiler. There's a there's a part in the beginning of The Witcher 3 where you get a haircut and you're talking to the barber and they're like basically asking you sort of how things went and you're effectively kind of uh telling the game how you played the last game or what your what your kind of what what your role was. And depending how you answer one of the questions, uh whether or not you killed the boss of The Witcher 2, that character will or won't show up later on in The Witcher 3. Hmm. So, like, the idea that they have an entire character who is mo-capped and voice-acted and has quests and stuff, you have, during literal small talk with a barber at the start of that game, the opportunity to be like, no, uh, in this timeline, that character's dead. And that's completely shuttering that character from existence in the game, even though that character is in the game. So, okay. do do we like that? I think it shows. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's like, awesome. Yeah, is that good? Yes, it's the exact opposite of like a, of a linear experience. That's that's giving you. I mean, it's it's having faith in the quality of the game to uh, trust that people will replay it or that people will explore it and really that, dig into it. That feels true, at least to me, in the idea that this is adapting a tabletop game and that you can make choices that will gate you off from maybe seeing mm -hmm. any characters that your DM had planned, entire locations, quest lines, that sort of thing. We, so. we do know, and I totally agree with you on the trepidation, because it, it's one of those bullet points that's in game like advertising a lot, that it's like, right. play it your way, the world changes around you. I feel like the the hesitance is fair because we've heard it so many times, and sometimes it's more true than others. Uh, we do know, though, that John Ryan and some other people over at Gamescom saw a demo that was different from this one, mm -hmm. and we do know some of the ways that that played out. So, for example, uh, the the one in this, you meet with this corpo agent, and you kind of convince her to give you money and then bring it to this gang and buy a robot off of them, and then they're money chip, oh no, it's hacked, and the corpo agents all come in and they do their deal. Um, but in the demo at Gamescom, you, you like don't do that deal exactly the same way, mm -hmm. and when you come back out of the place, the corpo agent you talk to isn't there, and it's a different corpo agent. You're basically like, hey, what happened to that woman I was talking to? And they're like, pretty much they're like, oh yeah, she got killed because mm -hmm. like she screwed up. So you didn't help her, and so since you didn't help her, the the demo like that person that character is gone which is a very witcher thing mm -hmm. right and maybe those two corporate agents to your point maybe those two corporate agents are basically the same person just different visuals and different voice and that sort of yep. thing but uh yeah i, I'm I not, think there's a we've gotten a little glimpse of that at mm -hmm. least i'm not entirely sure if i love that or hate that mm. like there's, i think i think like when when video games really really strive narratively it's when they have sort of like defined goalposts and, and sort of chapter ends and beginnings, and they let you do whatever the fuck you want in between. That's really cool. Got a mountain in the yeah, distance. I'm not crazy about like a barber, barber interviewing me and me missing an entire chunk of a game because I said no or yes on a text field I might have skipped. Like, so I, mean, I get that. If to it's, to if, kind of add to that, there was a, I, I completed what I thought was an unrelated side quest in some of the Witcher DLC, and because of thinking that I was doing the right thing with this one part, it triggered an action in a different main quest that resulted in a really hard boss fight 
And it effectively, if I finish this boss fight, that's like the good, the good ending or whatever. Uh-huh. But if I had kind of slacked off and just if I'd sort of mainlined the rest of the game, it would have been like the the boss fight wouldn't have taken place. But it was because I did because I did what I thought was a completely unrelated quest that put actions into play that resulted in this one dude being mad at me, which is like kind of hilarious when you think about it because I was just sort of like I'm like I just want to I want to I want to finish this I want to burn through it I want to take the easy route right and I I was like well I guess I'll do this one little side side adventure here and then suddenly I'm getting my ass kicked I'm like come on like (laughs) I don't want this I didn't sign up for extra credit I think (laughs) this kind of stuff is great if this is the only game you're going to buy in like an eight month window and you're like, I'm going to tear this thing apart and I'm going to do everything I can. And I'm going to play it all these different ways. And I totally respect that. You know, like I actually love, I mean, I look at that with stuff like with Dark Souls, right? Where people go like, I'm going to play this game as a different class. I'm going to pick a different gift at the, at the top of it. I'm going to play this game completely differently or, you know, uh, sequence break a little bit. I think that stuff's really interesting. Um, I just, I worry about like, the four of us sitting down and playing this game differently and one of us having like one it being game of the year for one of us and one of us just having a shitty time. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a risk you got to take though. Like you've talked about how how much fun it was when like heavy rain came out and everyone in the office was playing it and you'd have water cooler talk and everyone was having an entirely different thing take place. I think the thing the difference with that is that that's like a 6 hour, 7 hour, 10 uh-huh. hour maximum game and so you can sort of you can do different branching paths. Uh it's also it kind of nudges you to pick different save points and redo parts. Yeah, I I don't see it as much. I I think this is something, what what you're expressing is something I kind of had to struggle with with RPGs too. This idea that you might be missing content, that maybe the game is hiding something from you is a very real fear. Um, And I I sort of turned my, my thinking on it to, I'm not missing content, it's just like like Journey, it is the, the path I chose and that's my way. The point about if it's a wildly different quality experience than somebody else, I think is a fair one. But I think of it almost like, now I think of it almost like Dead Rising 1, mm-hmm. where you have 72 hours in that mall. I think it's 72 <clears throat> hours, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to choose what you have time for, and you have to choose who you save, and that informs your experience, and not, and yeah, there is a way to save everybody, but probably not, you're not going to do that on your first playthrough. And who you choose isn't like, oh, you missed that other thing. It's just that's how you made your way through that game. And, and that hurt. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that hurt to play because, like, the completionist side of me was like, I'm, I'm helping this like this woman over here, and then like these two guys died over at the golf store. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, it hurt. That's well, why I end up straying a lot from Bethesda games because I'm always like, I need to see everything here, and I need yep. 500 hours to do yeah. that. Right. But, yeah, but it's not. It, the, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a certain level of kind of grass is always greener, and you're sure. always going to mm-hmm. miss something. Yeah. Because you know? that's that's sort of how life is. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think it's really funny when there is that level of like something's hidden but it's sort of part of the like i don't know you see like an action figure that they make of some character who you never met because of some choice you made uh <laughs> i mean i had i think there's i forget which which sorceress there was some sorceress or somebody who i i had like not i, I think i failed their quest line or i screwed up something in the witcher and i was like they made a toy of her she doesn't do anything and then i like <laughs> looked it up and i was like Oh no, I'm just bad at the game. Yeah. It's our own thing. Yeah. <laughs> like conversely, like when I played when I played Mass Effect 3, they did one of those things. I didn't, for whatever reason, didn't import my save file that had like my choices from two baked into it. And I just did the sort of the quick sort of refresher, like, what did you do in the last few games? Like, mm-hmm. what happened here? And I'm like, oh yeah, whatever. And then it picks up and I was like, Ashley, who the f are you? Like, like <laughs> and I was like, I don't I didn't I didn't play one and I didn't yeah. for it too. And so like again, I'm not I'm not saying this is an inherently bad thing at all. I'm just opening up the conversation to see what people think. Cause I, I'm I can go either way on it, but I also I kind of prefer when things are a little more guided narratively, but there's still plenty of room to go nuts. Yeah. So uh speaking of that. I had a question from the Facebook Beyond group. Uh, Evan Gary asked, do you think cyberpsychosis, excess cyber implants that cause humans to go violent, will be a substantial thing in the game? It is a cyberpunk staple that was not shown in the demo. And my question was, the demo shows a lot of being like, these NPCs have their own life cycles. There's all this real, we're trying to make a real world for you in this real city. How much do you think they'll explore the fringes of that? And how much do you think you as a character can Lots, experience that? Because it's incredibly easy to animate something that you've already animated and make it an evil version of it. I would Literally that, every video game does it. So I think I would see that. I mean, the, the difference between something like The Witcher and, and Cyberpunk is The Witcher is set in effectively a wilderness. Mm-hmm. And there are like, you know, little hubs of, of city and stuff. But I mean, you're not going to be walking through. I mean, they're going to be like gangs that jump you and, and thugs and stuff. But there's no like 
you're not going to have exactly like zombies or you're not going to have like, you know, ghouls running around uh, unless, of course, they're like, I don't know, whacked out cyborgs who live in the sewers, like these like, you know, futuristic Morlocks who are like after you for your for your implants. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, no, that gang that we see in the trailer, I don't know, I forget if they mentioned this in the walkthrough demo, but when I when I saw it at E3, they talked about this, where there are these, these people who are basically like, they are uh, sort of hooked on hooked on implants. Like they are so into uh, making them, they're, they're basically trying to dehumanize themselves. Like they don't want to be of the flesh. They want to be machines. They want to kind of like ascend and become like, you know, become more machine than man, which is, you know, that's why they have their faces carved out full of, you know, webcams or yep. whatever. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the things <laughs> I will say specifically to Evan's question, because I think he's also asking specifically about cyberpsychosis as a game mechanic in the tabletop RPG. Oh, interesting. Where okay. as you take as you turn more of yourself into a robot, you have a chance of basically going crazy. There gets to a point where you have to roll a die on a table mm. and see what mm. sort of affliction you get from losing your humanity too much um i don't think that's going to be part of the game everything i've no i don't and i think that's because i talked to mike pondsmith back at e3 and i asked him specifically about cyberpsychosis and he said something along the lines of like yeah they're they're thinking about ways to work that in there so i don't think at least it'll be a substantial part of the game as evan Mm -hmm. asked uh just because i think they're treating implants in this game more as gamey video gaming like upgrade mechanics i don't think that they would then make that be a thing where like okay if you take too many upgrades then you like get start getting detriments I which mean, makes sense in a tabletop you game. sure about that because you no. know i mean in the witcher if you took too many potions you'd get too high of a toxicity level that's true and there there are other systems like that in rpgs i just don't i, I see it i guess if, what i'm saying is if if they do do it i think it'll be more like that where right. it's more of a small thing rather than what cyberpsychosis is in uh, Cyberpunk 2020, which is like, you cannot get any more implants. You are capped, you will go crazy. And if you do get more, you risk really losing your mind. Gotcha. Uh, I think maybe there's an interesting idea of like enemies like that, but yeah, I think that cyberpsychosis probably won't be a huge, huge mechanic in terms of the way it is in tabletop. Sure. It'll make an appearance, just not that. That being said, I do love, something I love about uh, The Witcher uh, is that they they took concepts that were introduced in the uh, Sapkowski uh, books and that the sort of the... I don't know, there, there are things that the Witcher does, and it's like, oh, he's got like a silver sword, and he puts like oils on it. And there were things that, they are very much, they don't feel video gamey in the writing, uh, and they figured out a way to like, to make that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, like his different, I, when, I, when I first played, when I first played Witcher 2, I was like, I was, I was approaching it like, like a Skyrim, like a, like a video game. And there's things in there that you kind of have to, you have to consciously sort of role play. And you have to be like, okay, were I going into this this scenario, uh, how would I actually prepare? Like, do I need to have the right like the right you know potions in my system? Like, I, do I need to have traps on me? Like, there's a certain level of like you don't you're not just being like which items do I equip? And I mean sometimes if you're feeling lazy, sure. Right. But like in this case, I love the idea of them taking systems from a from a pen and paper game and applying them to a video game. Like figuring out how to automate things that. Um, you know, if you if it's your if it's your you know your your friend Mike Pondsmith across the table from you, and he's you know got a pile of dice, and it's sort of <laughs> his imagination coupled with some variables. How do you translate that to like a you know a, a automated system? That's sure. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking a little bit too about the tone of The Witcher and everything you can do in The Witcher and how you approach the game with that. Uh, th- another question from the group also addressed a concern I had. Becky Atkin. Atkinson, excuse me, asks, do you think cyberpunk will have the same type of comedic moments the Witcher series had, or will it be a lot more serious? So my concern wasn't necessarily the tone of the demo, but more so that the writing came across really as like, in your face, this is sci-fi and mature, and we're going to curse a lot. And yes, I went to Catholic school for 13 years, so I do notice cursing a lot Mm -hmm. because (laughs) of being prude. But also, I just like, it felt like they were cursing to curse and like there's a weird dialect thing there but it didn't feel like it was necessarily earned all the time and it's just a little bit of the writing felt cliche to me so i want to open up the writing specifically to you guys i, I think there'll be a lot of goofy slapstick stuff that happens in this game um, i think just inherently the color palette and the characters looking like mechanized versions of bebop and rock city like there's going <laughs> to be a lot of kind of goofiness whether that's inherent or you know just direct i think i think it'll be there uh i'm i'm with you on the writing and that's coming from someone that probably curses more than everybody at this company <laughs> combined. Uh, I didn't think it was like excessive. I just thought it felt like like it almost cheap. Like 
It was, it was to the point where it was just every other word, and you're like, well, did you not want to write the other words? <laughs> I love the F word. I mean, they they censor me on this show 60 <laughs> times an episode. Yeah, Sometimes. Barrett, Barrett's probably pretty sick of this. this <laughs> yeah. Movie, right out the gate. It's um, in for a penny, in for a pound kind of thing. So Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh no, I think it's. I think that there's something inherently very, like, very campy and cliche about cyberpunk at this point. Like, uh, the 1993 movie Hackers is is cyberpunk, and those characters are all incredibly tryhard. Like, they're all rollerblading everywhere, and it's a PG-13 movie, so they can't drop a bunch of f bombs. But like, again, it's like rollerblading is, usually gets an R rating. <laughs> it is. Uh, Brink it's, is it's, a family friendly movie. It's cyberpunk. It's not like you know, like techno pop. Like, sure. there, it's it, there's a certain kind of like there is. A very is like a mohawk is a is a is a, a f over the top haircut, and this is like leaning very heavily into that you know neon no, totally. mohawk yeah. and get a crazy tattoo carved in the side of your head. No, I, it's kind of like complaining that they curse too much in punk music. Yeah, you know, I kind of I love how it, it does feel like appropriately tongue in cheek, uh, and sure they're swearing at like left and right, but like I don't know, it, there's something. It's sort of like this is how teenagers in their heads would see themselves as adults, you know? Like, there's that level of, like, of role-playing. Like, this is... I, I feel that. Are these characters all sort of, like, uh, incredibly detailed realizations of a bunch of pen and paper characters created <laughs> by by teenagers who are in their mom's basement? Like, I, I sort of adore that, so... The, the other thing I think that goes along with this, though, is... Uh one of the counter reactions to this reaction I think we've seen is people being like, oh, you just don't like offensive words in your games. And I think there's a distinction between what you said, which is kind of wielding swear words wantonly and using them in an effective way. Yes. And I think that's the distinction that comes in my mind. <laughs> I am split. Like, I think there was probably too much silly swearing, but I also am with Max in that I think there needs to be a certain amount of it. There's, there's, For sure. I'm rewatching The Wire right now, and there's a, a scene where Bunk and McNulty arrive on a crime scene, and it's just a... a mess and you're gonna censor me a lot right now um, get that b button ready they just they just walk around and they're like lifting up drapes and looking under covers and they just take the only word spoken between the two of them for five whole minutes is and i think that scene was in response to people complaining about the yeah the about, shows about the the shows like and it's same thing like south park did the same thing right where they were like hey it costs ten thousand dollars every time you say the s word so don't say the s word and they're like we're gonna break the record for the amount of s words yeah, yeah. and so that, like they very much were on the nose about that and I, I respect the hell out of that so i think there was a way to take that over the top and pair it with really great writing and make a really memorable script or really great scene um and i hope that's what they're drilling towards here i'm not saying that they haven't found it or that they won't find it, but I hope that's that is what they they get to with this. Also, yeah, we did see a little glimpse of comedy. I just want to touch on that part of this real quick too. Uh, the Maelstrom Gang, when you're buying the thing, the guy you're buying from is like high and mm -hmm. a little weird the entire time. And that big dude comes out and like threatens him. And then when he leaves, that other guy is just like, "All right, now we can get down to business." And it's like a little <laughs> bit like slapsticky in his attitude. Yep. Yeah, I think this game is going to be very funny. Oh, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot in there, but this. Mm -hmm. Demo itself needed to show I mean, a lot in this one. Go watch the yeah. trailer for for The Witcher, the Killing Monsters one, which is the first one they revealed, and it is like it is aggressively bleak and dark and yeah. like brooding and still trying to walk that kind of that mature razor's edge. And it's just you know it's it's Geralt like you know killing dudes with a truncheon, and there's a woman being hung for being a witch or whatever, and he's like, oh, I'm killing monsters, and like <laughs> then you play that game, and there's like a part where you have to chase around a goat with a bell for 25 minutes, and it's like <laughs> all right, all right, so mm -hmm. there's a you know you got to fight the three little pigs, like it's. it's it's fantasy horse shit. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot more to this game, I'm sure, that we haven't seen in the tone and the writing, obviously. And uh, thanks for addressing all of my concerns. And I'm sure that now we talked about the cursing, they will put in a wire style scene. Just I hope complaint. that they have a modification where it's like the <laughs> like the TVY7 upgrade, <laughs> where all the swearing you hear is just like gets either garbled or turned into mm -hmm. other words. Dang neb. And it's like the TNT version where it's like, yippee Kaye, mother father. <laughs> How'd you get that scar? <laughs> Eating pineapple. <laughs> we interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not so fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost. So why not do something about it? Forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a 
website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhymns.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Well, whatever that sounds like, if you want uh, some wise words that you can actually read, uh, very quickly, just wanted to mention the Spider-Man prequel novel is out. If you're really hungering for Spider-Man on PS4, uh, there is actually a prequel novel that is available right now. I believe it has a subtitle that I will find as I stall for time. There's also the God of War official novelization. Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Yeah. Also, if you're excited about, um, you know, Spider-Man, there's... Uh, like forty years of comics. That too. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. how do you how do you classify prequel novel when there's prequel comic books for for decades? In this timeline, Hostile Takeover, as it's called, by oh, okay. David Liss, mm-hmm. essentially is it gets you to the point where the story of the game starts. Gotcha. And you can hear about the story of the game in Andrew Goldfarb's preview of the first three hours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is out there. Uh, there's true. also the God of War novelization with the audiobook. This is my favorite thing is being done by Alistair Duncan. Who's the voice actor for Mimir? Oh, he that's reads. Rules. He reads the full Top book, notch. and they've actually had him responding to people's old tweets about God of War and saying them in the Mimir voice mm-hmm. uh, to hype up this audiobook, which I really appreciate. Uh, we would talk about that more, but there's a lot to get through, including. What, can I plug one thing really quick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a fan of IGN named Jesse Monroe made a Leviathan axe from scratch, and we featured it on Up at Noon last week. Um, so go check that out. We put up the video on YouTube and IGN. He built it from scratch uh, using acrylic and LEDs, and it lights up, and he made a video of it going back to his hand. I don't know I, what <laughs> wizardry that <laughs> is. Magic. <laughs> Movie magic. But it's super cool, so go check that out. Uh, moving on to a thing that uh, Barrett Courtney, our producer, uh, turned me on to actually being a real thing that you possibly have on your PSN store currently. They changed a thing that has been a problem since the PSN store launched. The search is different Yay! in the store. It is now a normal keyboard. <laughs> it's great. It's not on an abacus anymore. Yeah, you don't it's have to so scroll nice. letter by letter. So this just surprisingly rolled out. Uh, Barrett happened to be on the store and just noticed it was different. Yep. He went over to another account. It still had the old scroll letter by letter thing on it. So we actually reached out to Sony and they confirmed that this was a rollout that was happening yeah. globally. And so there were probably some people got it earlier Sadly, than others. You can look up Donkey's still, Christmas Spectacular. Still no <laughs> Donkey Kong 64 on the PSN. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry, watching Barrett. the video. That's Barrett, who's desperate for dumping. Um, but yeah, you can Damn search. I believe I read you can search by uh, genre and also by studio. So you can say like, show me every Ubisoft game or Sony Santa Monica game or Insomniac game or whatever it is. Um, it's great. That's it's- so much better than what it used. My God, was it bad? <laughs> and we complained about it on the show for decades. <laughs> And it's it's better now, and so bravo. We do a lot of like bitching and moaning on the show when things don't aren't. We're like, oh, it's, it's too hard. To I don't know about you. Load. I've hated the PSN store search function since the days of the PS One. It's really it's <laughs> me too. Been a, it's been a the PS One store. <laughs> Caldor. It is very thankful to see. Also, a note for people, uh, this was sort of reported on last week for people who were in the 6.0 firmware beta beta were alleging that they had this change. Uh, PlayStation confirmed that this update is independent of any software updates that are happening, so you don't also, surprise, have 6.0 or are enrolled in a beta if Mm -hmm. you didn't sign up for one. That we still don't know fully about, but it's nice to see this change just come out of nowhere. It also makes me wonder what 6.0 will actually be, but the fact that they're addressing a thing that has been so long-standing and has been a thing people have complained about for so long is really heartening to see. Yep. And I hope we see a few more changes like this going forward. I always wonder with changes like this if it's just one dude in the office who's like, hey, let's let's just change that this time. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. I wonder if it's that simple or if this had to go through committee and committee and well, people have been discussing it for years. To get a little like behind the scenes, I don't know, like IGN is a massively old website that's built on like sunken pirate ships and lost souls and just old old just old code from like the literal 90s and so from what i've heard here like to implement any sort of major sweeping change on a technical level is really difficult and like so adding like search or object pages all the other things like little things that have sort of sprung up over the years where people have been like i want to read everything that you know jonathan's ever done how do i do that um 
Google usually was our go-to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it takes a while to get these things changed, and that's why it's easy for us on podcasts who have no idea how anything works, and I, I'm probably the dumbest person in this building when it comes to stuff like that. But we're constantly like, add you know, name changes and fix the search. And they're like, we'd love to. It's hard. <laughs> being, so I'm being glad they did on this. an angel fire site yeah. makes it difficult, but we, we've made it work. We've made it work. Yeah. yeah. It's very <laughs> impressive. Uh, moving on, I want to talk about a reveal we exclusively had on IGN.com. What? Shovel Knight Showdown. Yeah. So back when the Shovel Knight Kickstarter happened years and years ago, they promised a multiplayer mode as a stretch goal. They have finally exacted on that and actually showed it off. It's called Showdown. We have 10 minutes of gameplay on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN that you can see. You can also watch a little bit of it on the video version of this show. What? So it is a multiplayer suite and expansion of different modes. One of them is Gem Clash, which is the mode you're watching, mm -hmm. which essentially up to four players can compete to collect a certain amount of gems per stage. You can play as one of over 16 different fighters. A lot of them are the knights from the game that you fought against. Oh, damn, this looks cool. As well as a couple of the other enemies like gold armor. So you actually do have to get used to some different mechanics based on the different knights, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. You get to actually be in their shoes and see what it's like to play as them. Uh, this mode also has a new sort of story mode in it that you can play with each of the different playable characters and it mixes and matches different stages and swaps them together. There are new stages and some new music in here that aren't all just pulled from the Shovel Knight campaigns that already existed. So basically... Yeah. Half a decade ago on Kickstarter, Yacht Club Games pitched all this pie in the sky stuff, and then they're all doing it. Yeah. They're doing all of it. Mm -hmm. That's unheard of. Mm. Where are you at, uh, Vita version of Mighty Number no. Nine? <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened over there? That's crazy to me. Uh, bravo to these guys. This, this is like one of my favorite games of. Of this generation, of last generation, of just period. I love, I love Shovel Knight. The DLC to keep adding to it has been awesome. Um, I rebought it when the Switch launched. Um, it's cool to see this game keep growing. The Amiibo stuff is coming soon too. Like this, this game is just, it just keeps going. Yeah, they have the final King of Cards expansion and the three Amiibo that they revealed of a, a few of the other nights. You can look forward to information on that stuff on IGN later this week. If you're watching the show on Wednesday, come back Thursday to IGN for more. And if you're already listening to it, go to IGN after Thursday. Do you remember when they it. put out that survey last year? No. You what don't? was the Oh, for different Yaku yeah, put out a survey yeah. last year that was just like, hey, uh, just uh, wondering what you guys would like us to see us maybe work on some, I don't know, maybe like a top-down RPG or like a Metroidvania-style game. Whatever, fill out the survey, have a good time. And I was like, oh my God, I would love any of these things. Well, but they're closing uh, this yeah. chapter. You get more Shovel Knight so, instead. More Shovel Knight. And That's Tom, okay. you and I played a little bit of yeah. Showdown. Did you have fun with it? I did. Uh, I thought it was maybe a little bit very much a multiplayer mode that they committed to five years before. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I, I think it was fun for sure. Um, and I liked how much detail there was. I liked all the different move sets. Like all the knights felt like they really, really played differently rather yeah. than just being different skins of Shovel Knight or anything like that. And they have experience with that because of the alternate playable characters like Plague Knight anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was cool. When did, they, when did you say that launches? Uh, they haven't said they told us 2019. You can oh. look forward to more information about release dates later this week on IGN.com. Sweet. For more information. I was going to say, if they got that out before Smash Bros., they'd be, it'd be <laughs> that would be incredible. Spot, yeah, that wouldn't oh well. be too bad. Uh, moving on, while we are embargoed from discussing Spider-Man in full, uh, that is not the only game coming out this fall. There is a ton coming out that will make us very busy for the next few months, but also playing a lot of hopefully really awesome games. I wanted to run through some of the games we're most excited for to play this fall, as Oscar Molinero asked in the Podcast Beyond Facebook group. Uh, so first of all, I want to know, other than Spider-Man, since we can't talk about it in any sort of way, what each of you guys, if you can give me one game in particular that you're especially looking forward to, and then we'll run through a little bit of the fall. Um, I mean, Red Dead's obviously the easy one, but uh, I feel like I barely watched or paid attention to anything on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and those are some of my favorite games of the last few years. So I'm expecting to be like really surprised by that game because I don't really know a lot going in. I know it's kind of more of the same, but that's that's good. I enjoy playing those games. I mean, it's sort of insane that it comes out in two and a half weeks. Yeah, September it's 14th. crazy. Yeah, that's so much closer than I thought it was. It feels like there's no, like it's it feels like there's kind of a quiet buzz around this one. Yeah, and I hope it really surprises people. We've uh, got a lot of good stuff on it from our IGN first from this month too. That yeah. we have a lot of little insights, a lot of gameplay of that. Yep, it does look cool. I think I, have, I, I do think coming seven days out of, after Spider Man is tough. Like yeah, it's just not it it's they not a good look. They can't get a break with that series. No, yeah. first one was fine, I guess, but then the second one came out with the same day as. Fall 
Fallout 4. And it was platform exclusive. Right. Yeah. And then, I don't know what they like. They released it on PS4 a year later as the 20th anniversary edition that had yeah. like a small VR yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and the DLC put in to mm-hmm. try to bolster it. No, I mean, I'm, uh, I don't know if I'll be surprised by this. Uh, I think the second one was a wonderful, like that was definitely like that that wonderful iterative quality about games where the first one was really good and the second one kind of blew it out of the water and was yeah. phenomenal. Uh, but with this one, like I feel like I don't, really see it having that same level of like of scaling you know like i don't really know what they can do to kind of really without completely breaking the formula or reinventing it from the ground up like and i'm not like i like the stories okay i'm just not super invested in them so it's nothing yeah i i'm not really there for the story it's weird Mm -hmm. and it sucks because a lot of people work on the story for those games i'm more there for the fact that i really like that sort of pairing of like i guess i would call it like tunnels and hubs of kind of like you you go through these scripted segments where things collapse and buildings fall apart and you go through blood tunnels and stuff like that. And then you come out and you're like in a field and you just hunt wolves and dudes for three hours and <laughs> you get shotgun parts and yeah. you make new boots no, and you get back out there. Go into the next tunnel. Yeah, go to the next blood tunnel. Yeah, I mean, I'm very confident this will be, be a solid game. I don't know. Like, I feel like... I don't want to Far Cry 5 myself with this. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a game that I played a bunch, and I was like, this is good. I've sort of played it before, you know? Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. it's, I'm not super invested in the story. I wasn't for that one. So, like, in this case, like, I don't know. Is this going to be the darkest adventure of Lara Croft yet? I'm kind of, you know, I'm not really super checked in for that part of it. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that it's set uh, in, uh, what is it, like, South South American mm-hmm. jungle? Like yeah. Mexico City yeah. or something? Yeah, that's really cool. It's got some anacondas, I think. I I'm, like that. I'm way more into that than I am, like, the tundras. Yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the menagerie that's sure to be there. Me too. Max, what about you? Uh, I mean, definitely, uh, definitely Red Dead. Uh, Fist of the North Star is another one. I'm not really particularly checked into the anime aside from the fact that it is one of the few anime in which someone gets punched so hard that they explode into guts, which is... <laughs> cool um <laughs> this is made by the team that does yakuza and it's uh this i've played this i played city three it's wonderfully hilariously over the top uh it's effectively dragon ball z meets mad max uh you you cruise around you just you kick kick some ass you kick a lot of ass really just a lot of ass kicking um it completely like uh it has <laughs> it has like just hilarious quick time events where uh like there's one where you're doing like the thousand fist punch or whatever, and the screen just fills with like awkwardly placed like uh, square button cues. Like it just like if you just took like the like a you know rubber stamp tool and just put the square button all over it, and it was like <laughs> you're supposed to hit all those, and you're just hitting them with like beep, 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 and he's just like punching a bunch of people. Oh my God, um, there's a bartending mini game that's like just hilarious. It feels like. I mean, if you made like a goofy anime based on Fallout and just completely jacked it up to nonsense, like you have to. I had to make like a, a martini or something, but first I had to whittle ice cubes from like this giant block of ice. So I'm like pounding on buttons for like doing the the thing, and it's he's just like wailing on this giant cube of ice with like an ice pick, and then it's like <laughs> then you've got to shake the drink, and you put, then you have to shake the controller, and I screwed it up, and he like push, pushes out this like sad looking drink that's got like a cartoon fart cloud floating above, <laughs> and the lady's like, I guess I'll be drinking this alone, and there's like the big sad anime tear. It's just completely like completely silly. So I'm I'm super on board for that once I'm done with Yakuza Kiwami. But uh, yeah, that's. I don't so know. Do you Tom? recommend playing Fist of the North Star Zero or Fist of the North Star <laughs> <laughs> that, no, That's actually a good question. There's no, I don't think you really need to know anything going into this. It's just know that it's a post apocalyptic, uh, I don't know, sort of beat em up adventure game. You know, cool. go nuts. Tom, what about you? Uh, I'm excited for Red Dead, but actually, I think I'm honestly more excited for Valkyria Chronicles 4. We put those on this list for I'm you. I'm really happy yeah. you did. Yep. Oh, man, I'm hyped for Valk 4. Like, Why? Jeez, I'm hyped. Valk 4. Because it's coming back to the the what made the first one good. Mm-hmm. The second game was fun. The third one was okay. But, like, they were so... They, they were on PSP only and PS Vita only. Um... And I think the third one didn't even release in the States. I might be wrong about that. Uh, but there, this game is finally like a proper sequel to the first game. And the first Valkyria Chronicles is probably in my top 10 games ever. It, I fell in love with it completely. I replayed it on PC when it came out on PC later. Um, it's just so good and so unlike any other strategy or war game you can find. So what is it oh this is okay (laughs) let me take a deep breath because this is a long one it's a third jonathan did kingdom hearts in a sentence so you have no excuse it's a third person okay but kingdom hearts is like story complex okay this is this is gameplay complex it's a third person 
hybrid of a real-time and turn-based strategy game mixed with a JRPG set in an alternate reality anime World War II, where you are basically playing as Switzerland after they get invaded by the fantasy Nazis. Um, it's amazing. It is it is so weird and cool. What that actually means is it's kind of like Fire Emblem-ish. There's no grid. <laughs> but there's You're, guns? Yes, there's guns. It's okay. World War II. <laughs> guns and tanks and magic. But the magic is only certain people have it. I didn't know there was magic. No, only a little bit. Only in a little World bit. Most of, most of the people in the game are just soldiers and then there's like these special people that are called Valkyrie and they are like ancient magic and the world is like freaking out. Like it literally follows like one of those like Hitler's crazy adventures where he's like, I'm going to go dig in the desert and find magic and like this is like what if he did and <laughs> it's part of that. Um, but it's not Hitler. It's like it's some fantasy version because you're not in Europe. You're in Europa. Like it's it's all very weird. Mm. Um, a lot of people ask how you get a job at IGN. You have to be able to do what Tom does. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big part of it is sort of gun to head. You go, ah, uh, and then you do that. Anyway, <laughs> as I was saying, uh, it's kind of Fire Emblem style where you're top down, but there's no grid. You're on a map of a battlefield. And when you select a unit, you have a certain amount of action points per turn. And when you select a unit, you zoom into the battlefield and are actually third person controlling this pe person. And... When you walk by enemies, they don't move, but they mm -hmm. shoot at you. And as soon as you start aiming, time freezes, and then you take your shots, and then it zooms back up into oh, the top, interesting. and you do it again. And you so keep instead going. of something like Advance Force, where the entire thing's pie in the sky, you actually hit the ground and, you, see, and see. Yeah, so. you zoom in. And it's cell, so it it's cell shaded. It's kind of cell shaded. It looks almost storybook yeah, painter. Yeah, yeah. Like the edges of it don't even have. They're just kind of outlines. It like fades out, like it's painted onto a, a book or something. You, I know. I just grabbed the demo for Switch, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Yeah. And I don't know if I will after you describe <laughs> it. Dude, it's so no good. offense. Uh, <laughs> that sounds very overwhelming. I don't know if there's a demo on PS4, but there might be. So go go check that out. Yeah. Wow. It's really well cool. Done. It's really weird and cool. And it, it touches on a lot of topics that are like the story is you have to like JRPG stories because it's mm -hmm. very much a JRPG. But I really, really like the story of the first one. Uh, also, to answer the do you play Zero or Kiwami question, uh, you can, I think, just play this one because the first game, the fourth game is taking place at the exact same time as the first game and a different part of the war. Okay. Mm. The first game, you're all uh, part of the, the militia. You're just like a townsperson who's thrown into this war. This, you're like actually in the army. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second game took place like three years after the first one with a completely different cast. And the third game was also like this where it took place at a different point in the war from the same so perspective. So it's a side story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously there's going to be like themes that are familiar for people who've played the rest of the series, but it's not going to be, yeah. there's no prerequisite. Yeah, so they did this with the or third so game too, say. where you can just <laughs> kind of jump in and you're going to know a lot more about what's going on in the greater conflict by having played the first game, but you're not going to be lost with the characters, you're not going to be lost with the mechanics, You it'll teach you how to play again. Perfect, because yeah. none of what you described sounded confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird, but it's really, really fun. Well, like I said... There's kind of not another strategy game like it. It's it's very unique. No, that rules. Well, if you want to have as clear an understanding of the series as Tom, Valkyria Chronicles <laughs> 4 comes out September 25th. Also in September, Spider-Man, obviously on the 7th. A few of the other big games, NBA 2K19. Is Which also a lot of people worked on for a long time, so please don't spoil. <laughs> <laughs> NBA 2K19, don't spoil it, on the 7th as well. Shadow of the Tomb Raider is the 14th, as we mentioned. Life is Strange 2, Episode 1, is out September 27th. And then moving into October, as Max mentioned, Fist of the North Star 2? Or is this no, just, this just, the, just the one? Star, October 2nd. To kick ass in the big field of the desert or something. <laughs> what it's called. Road uh, to kicking more ass. That is October 2nd. That old as dusty trail of beating the shit out of some dudes. Speaking of that, Mega Man 11 is also October 2nd. Assassin's Creed. The tale of a haunted robot orphan and his <laughs> weird old uncle who made a bunch of kitchen appliance men to kill him. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Odyssey is October 5th. God, I can't believe that game's coming out right now, too. Yeah. Right? It's getting crazy. Yeah. Sure. Here's another giant open world game. Have fun. <laughs> uh, Black Ops 4 is on October 12th. Starlink Battle for Atlas is on October 16th. Uh, reminder, if you're super excited for that game, the space combat game, and you want to play a Star Fox that is only on the Switch version, so... Did they, yeah. make a, they didn't make a PlayStation exclusive. It no. Nice they put it's not like Starhawk. Spyro in there or something. <laughs> Spyro controlling a... So this game is, is really interesting. Uh, I played it a bit at, uh, at E3. Starlink? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what I what kind of blows my mind about it is it's it's basically got your kind of your Ubisoft formula for an open world game, except in this case, it's almost 
No Man's Sky-esque. You've got these different planets you can go explore, uh, and you can fly between them. It's not you know procedurally generated or limitless, but you are in this little this cool little ship, and you can go to different areas. And there are you know outposts to check out, and they're like they're you know you know kind of to take down like you would like a Far Cry outpost or an Assassin's Creed fort or whatever. Um, but it's taking that wonderful formula that we all know know and love. And applying it to, I think, a T-rated game for the first time or a, a kid's game. It's really cool. Yeah, it's and it's it plays really well. I'm just really worried about it doing well because it's Toys to Life and it's 2018. That's the weird thing, right? It's like we saw that entire market evaporate, but maybe now there's room again because there's no competition. Yeah, we'll see. It also is very much like you can customize your own ship, and it's yep. about getting the parts that you want. So I can see kids being attached to what their ship is. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting attempt. I'm excited to see it also. It just feels different from a lot of Ubisoft's portfolio in general. Also coming out in October is Battlefield Five on the 19th. That day is also So Calibur Six. Then uh, if you need another fighting game, My Heroes 1 Justice, One's Justice, October 26th. Then... That day, also, you may have heard of Red Dead Redemption oh 2 is coming out on October Man, 26th. That's some, that's some stiff competition well. right there. Poor My Hero One's Justice. <laughs> hey, My Hero Academia is great. Yeah, it is. That's going to be an interesting day at the old the old GameStop. Oh yeah, it's going to be, be a, a whole lot of a whole lot of dudes who really want to play their cowboy game, and there's going to be like three people there. They're like <laughs> My Hero. Uh, November we roll into is Overkill's The Walking Dead on November sixth, Hitman Two on November thirteenth, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, which got bumped from September to November thirteenth, so you have to wait a little longer for that one. Fallout seventy six is the very next day on November fourteenth, and then later that month is Dark. Darksiders 3 on November 27th. Then in December, on the same day, Just Cause 4 and the Andrew Goldfarb Memorial Persona Dancing. Happy birthday, Hero. Jay-Z. Which I'll I think, are those going up against Smash Brothers? Yes. Uh, that's the 7th. The 7th? Yeah, yeah. So they're close. Close enough. Just Cause 4 and Smash. But I feel like also those are a little bit different markets. I think so. Man, this is a kind of crazy year because there's, yeah. there's a lot of sequels coming out that I'm kind of not... I don't know if lukewarm is the right word, but more like I'm being more conservative with my time and what I throw myself at, because obviously a game like Red Dead is going to be kind of a huge time sink. There's going to mm-hmm. be a lot to do there. Uh, Fallout 2, I imagine, is going to be a big time sink. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm completely just, it's not doing anything for me. Fallout? Like, yeah. Same. I'm, I'm actually going to probably completely skip that one. Yeah. Personally. I and have to see how the, the quest system is like the main quest line yeah because if there is a main quest line where i can kind of ignore other people and just do it then i'm i'm more interested but yeah i'm not i've never been a fan of rust so I'm, i would be stunned if uh if i pay any attention to just cause 4 at all no offense to the people working on that game but like i feel like i'm going to get out a lot of my like crazy open world antics out of the way with spider-man and then uh the more serious grounded stuff in red dead and so to come out and do the sort of like jetpack you know, gun rope game after that, it's going to feel weird. <laughs> but you, you do have a weaponized tornado. That sounds cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah. None yeah. of the other Weather games machines are pretty good. There's yeah. going to be online multiplayer with this one. Is Believe that right? So. I think. Is there? That could change things. Maybe. I might be wrong about that. Uh, I, I agree, though. It's 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 coming out at a weird time or like a weird environment, I feel like, in terms of other open world game options. But also... I'm so excited to just see billions of silly gifs of people doing silly things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. That is, yeah. That is the, that is possibly the best like Reddit gif game out there. Because yeah. nobody's like no one I know is playing Just Cause Three anymore. But man, do I see new gifs for that game weekly. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. So it will not it's the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> multiplayer, according to not me. Yeah, according oh, okay. to reports during E3. So unfortunately, mm-hmm. thankfully, there is so much to play this fall we, that will be mm-hmm. keeping us plenty busy. Yes. We will be talking. All about the biggest releases on the show and, of course, on IGN.com. So you can always go there to find all of our latest coverage. We unfortunately don't have enough time for more questions from the Beyond Group. But you can ask questions every week there at Facebook.com slash groups slash Podcast Beyond. It's a lovely community. You can make sure to always talk to them there about all the biggest releases, including Spider-Man, which Mm -hmm. don't spoil. Be nice. Spyro-Man. Spyro-Man. I would love that. I'm waiting for that. Uh, Before we leave, one quick thing. PAX West is this weekend. Tom and I are going. We will be there doing a bunch of coverage, running around the show like crazy people. We also have a panel there, which, bear with me, I know it may not sound like it, but if you're there, you want to attend. It is us ranking the top 10 Xbox One games. Yes, I know. This is a Beyond PlayStation show. But please, come to the panel. It's going to be... I know panels could be five minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) 
Shots fired. I love an Xbox. I have. I've had one since day one. Day one edition. Don't. Don't don't tweet at me. <laughs> That'll be fun. It's a uh, joke. It's just a joke. No, please come to that panel. It is Friday, August thirty first, from four thirty to five thirty at the Wyvern Theater. So you can be sure to go there to see us talk about all of those games and interact with the crowd. I also will be competing in the kind of funny intersite tournament for the Per Schneider Memorial Cup on Saturday. <laughs> is it at Memorial? 7, I don't know if it's Memorial. I just added that. Uh, Saturday at seven p.m at the Hydra Theater. So if you want to watch me play some games against a bunch of other wonderful people, uh, be sure to come to that. It's probably going to be funny, weird, and hopefully one of us will be good at video games. Kind of funny. Please defend this archaic website built on angel fire technology. We have the real pair. (laughs) We harness the fire of (laughs) angels. Uh, Other than that, if you see us at the show, be sure to say hi. Stop us. We will probably be running around from seeing a bunch of different games, but we will always stop to say hi. Other than that, Brian, where can people find you? Uh, Find me at Agent Bizzle on Twitter. Also, Max and I do a show called Up at Noon every Thursday at noon Pacific time. I'm also on Nintendo Voice Chat, which airs live on IGN 3 p.m. on Thursdays and then everywhere else on Fridays and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Max. We will. We yeah. We I also do that show. <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, that's that's about it. I will not be at PAX, unfortunately. So Same. if you see someone who looks like me, it's probably not me. But you mm-hmm. can say hello to them anyway, and maybe make a new friend. You can find me on Twitter, Max Scoville, and uh, Instagram, also Max Scoville. That's that's about it, really. That's that's all it is, right <laughs> I there. I like when you and I went there, and the guy called you Pet Detective. <laughs> yeah, I've been called Pet Detective by so many people. Doesn't yeah. surprise Gene me. Gene Simmons, Harrison you, Ford. Yeah. I'm, I won't a be at PAX, so if, if you Seattle. see me there, uh, that's actually uh, Grammy Award winning musician Pitbull, <laughs> aka Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. So go get an autograph from a him. A lot of people don't know this, but Seattle is included in the description of Worldwide. That's true. Yeah. And Tom, when you're not interacting with Pitbull at PAX, where can people find you? Uh, at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. And if you do see me at PAX, I'm the dope in the bow tie, probably. There are I not think many there's of us. Oh, at PAX, I disagree. There's a couple There's more. an entire room full of people playing board games. There's definitely somebody else wearing bow ties. <laughs> <laughs> I will not take that personally, but I will be one of those dopes. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's basically it. And I will be bow tieless, but I am at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me at PAX, of course. And thank you all so much for watching Beyond Episode 557. Beyond. Beyond. Beyond.